way. Once you guys get up on your feet, let's find somebody. Hug a neck, shake a hand. Sin is sentenced me to the grave. Desperate and weary, helpless for the rest of my days until you came. Forever defeated 
morning God's people how are you this morning this is the day the Lord has made and we are here together to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you don't know him we are going to introduce you to him this morning and uh, we're glad you're here uh, welcome to Carpenter's Way uh, we have a full morning in the word we're going to be in first Timothy chapter 3 this morning and we would encourage you if you brought a Bible to turn there you'll be we'll be with you in a bit uh, or it'll be on the screen behind you. If this is your first time with us, a special welcome to you. If you're watching on the internet, uh, we're glad to have you join us today. Um, and uh, thanks for thanks for being with us. Uh, I want to encourage you. If uh, we're going to move along quickly this morning, if you have a uh, worship guide, would you open it for a second? I have some things I want to highlight to Carpenter's Way folks. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, remind you, ladies, that women's Bible study is going to begin. Is that next week, Jules? Okay, so there's three of them. There are three Bible studies. One starts on Tuesday. One is on Wednesday nights uh, during the adult Bible study time, and the other one's on Sunday night. It starts Tuesday. Is that correct? Tuesday starts this week. February 5th. So anyway, look at your worship guide. It's in there. Uh, I needed to highlight this because, ladies, we need to know how many books to order. If you're interested, go to the woman's table. If this is something interesting for you to find out more information, you can talk with Julie and she'll answer your questions because, obviously, I don't know. So uh, take, take some time to go through there. I want to remind men that we meet every Tuesday morning of the year. Uh, I think we break a couple of them during, uh, I think during Christmas. Usually we take one off. But every Tuesday morning at 6.30 to about 7, uh, 7 10, we meet out here with a cup of coffee, the Word of God, and we kind of walk through it together. And we encourage you to join us uh, for that. Uh, but uh, ladies' Bible studies start up. We need to know how many books to order. So if you'd get signed up, uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, if you are a parent of a teenager that's going to Hot Hearts, uh, after church this morning at noon in the student room, there is a short meeting, and we need to get all your paperwork in. So uh, if you would make sure that you are there at noon, uh, I know that Jeff and Mark Dubos uh, would appreciate that. Um, let me think if there's anything else I need to highlight. Uh, there's information in here. You can, you can read it. Uh, we have a Carpenter's Way 101 class. That's our membership class upcoming. Uh, so please take some 
uh, time and, and look at that. If you uh, want to become a member or learn more about how we function as a church, uh, that's the place to do that. I'm going to ask our ushers at this time to come forward as we prepare for our offering. Uh, this is for those of us who attend here regularly. Uh, this, the offerings that we take, uh, the money that we receive goes towards, obviously, the ministries of Carpenter's Way. It pays the light bills and the staff. But also, we are participating with the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program. We support about 9,000 missionaries that are in the states and global that reach people for Christ, plant churches. Uh, and then on top of that, Carpenter's Way, very missionary-minded. We support about uh, 14 different mission organizations uh, from the Mosaic to Pregnancy Help Center, uh, and then individual missionaries like Josh and Allie Ferguson who work with Campus Crusade for Christ. And some you've met in recent weeks. We had a missionary sharing a couple, uh, last Wednesday night uh, that we support. And uh, that's where our offerings go towards. We as a church make a commitment to the budget every year. So visitors, we don't want you distracted by money. We're just glad to have you here. Uh, so as the, as, uh, the offering comes, just uh, pass the plate. And uh, we'll just, we're just glad you're here. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're thankful that we can gra uh, gra gather every week around your word, around songs that praise your name, that remind us of who you are. It is my prayer that you bless our time together today. Father, thank you that in the noise of culture and the world, the people screaming at each other, we can come in here and listen to the, the still, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that this is a place of peace in the midst of a storm. We pray for our president, Father, that you would give him great success. We pray for peace in the world. We pray that we as a country would continue to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, those of us who are your children. We pray, Father, for, for those who were upset yesterday, uh, who marched all over the globe. We pray that they would find their hope and peace in Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we pray that we as a people would balance out, our, uh, your children would balance out citizenship in a country and a state with citizenship, the most important one in heaven. So, God, we ask for wisdom in all that. Thank you that we gather here together this morning as Democrats, Republicans, uh, as people who are pro-government, against government, but we gather in the name of Jesus Christ as the children of God who are focused only today on our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, this morning, we, uh, periodically we have missionaries. Where's Gary? I know you're here. Why don't you come on up, Gary? Um, we, we, uh, I had mentioned that on top of the cooperative program that we support about 14 different missions or uh, mission organizations in our church. Some of those we don't have in our budget financial because that's not how they function. Uh, but they function purely by volunteerism. And one of those ministries is the Gideons. It's been around for 982 years. Jesus was a Gideon from what I understand. And uh, uh, I, but the Gideons... It's, a, it's such a cool ministry, and I'm going to let Gary talk about it this morning. But basically what they do is they put the Word of God in people's hands. That's what they do. They pray and put the Word of God in people's hands, which is a pretty cool ministry. We have about seven or eight guys. I'm sure you're going to talk about that. They're involved. But we are honored as a church to participate with the Gideons. And uh, once a year they come and share, and I've asked Gary to come and share this morning. Gary actually goes across the, the area preaching in churches often talking about the ministry of the Gideons, but, uh, but stealing my message outlines and presenting the gospel in churches all over the place. So, I'm just kidding, Gary. <laughs> so Gary's going to come and take a few minutes to share with us about the ministry. Thank you, Mark. Good morning. As Mark said this morning, this church is so involved in missions. I mean, you can look around here, and the mission work is active. We're just... Uh, all full in. But I want to let you know is that the Gideons also 
our mission part in this world, as you know. And there are many of us in, this, in here that are Gideons and that reach out to, to others that do not know Christ. But I want to tell you, I am blown away by the number of Bibles you, the family at Carpenter's Way, have produced the last five years. I want to tell you, the last five years, including today, <clears throat> you have purchased 2,300 plus Bibles. And they have gone out, and let me tell you, in, in a hotel, the, the life expectancy of one Bible is 2,300 witnessing opportunities. That's just in a hotel. Of course, Bibles go in different other places. But I want to spend the next 10 minutes or so, uh, I want you to hear about what we're, inroads we're making and the support that you're doing in our immediate vicinity. Last year, 2016, it was a record distribution year in Angelina County. We distributed 12,000, close to 12,000 scriptures in Angelina County alone. Not only the county jail, which Gideon Les Spellings is, leads and is part of, uh, but there's a Diabol facility that we're in down at uh, Diabol where there's Gideons down there doing work. Two of our Gideons went to the Youth Detention Center, which that's what we do every Sunday. And these two Gideons were visiting with the kids, and uh, they began telling them about a story about two teenagers that tried to steal a local citizen's truck. The guy told the police, the fellow that, with the truck told the police, if he had been there two minutes earlier, he would have shot those boys. Two boys raised their hand up. They said, we're the ones that attempted to steal the truck. Those two Gideons told those boys and the other boys that how, they told them how close they were in reaching hell in just a matter of minutes. By the end of the service, by the end of that time, those two Gideons were there. One of the boys asked for Christ to come into his life. Amen. That's the thing that we're doing. That's how we're reaching Christ. We, offers, we always offer God's promise and salvation when we're out there with the youth and scriptures to them every time. That is where your dollars go to affect the lost and saved. Gideon David Minshew, on many occasions, bonds and, and uh, knows some of the youth out there at the youth detention center. Numerous times all of us go out, when we give a message, we always give them an opportunity to accept Christ. At the Livingston Pulaski facility, a, a Polk County Gideon was telling us about a convicted lifer who received God's spiritual pardon. A gang member since he was 13 years old, never had a chance other than crime, violence, and murder. At 19 years old, he was shot by a rival gang member. Two years later, he took revenge and shot a rival gang member and lost his, 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 uh, lost his life to no freedom. But today, Marcos is, through a Gideon encounter, is now leading Bible studies he takes a Gideon Bible and preaches regularly on Sundays down there at the, at the unit. 
This is exactly what Mark alludes to when he says, stay in your lane. Stay the course. Walk with God. As Gideons, we are confronted, like Paul advising Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.19, cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your consciences clear. We Gideons, <clears throat> you, all of us, have to be full in for these uh, spiritual uh, successes to fruit. David Jeremiah, similar to Mark's message, calls it being fully engaged. On fire for Christ. I want to tell you that if you are to be on fire for Christ, if you're going to be full in, then you have to get out of the weeds. You have to be a Christian. Romans 12.2 sets us apart from our former self. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a, a new person and change the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Whether we support our missions across the globe or in our backyard, our efforts begin with us. I want you to know the Gideons in our area are full in, committed. It is the youth in our, if it's not the youth in our schools and the detention center where we have distributed 2,000 scriptures to the youth in our schools, all in in our schools. We've distributed 2,500 at Angelina College this last year. At the Cinco de Mayo Festival, 2,200. Fall Festival, 3,000 scriptures. The Catfish Festival down at Huntington, 600. The Tamale Festival, 1,700. We are fully engaged to offer God's Word. A week before Christmas, a Gideon and I were down at the Huntington Middle School in the cafeteria. We were about the 90th scripture handed out in the, in the cafeteria. And a, and a little young man come in from behind me. And... Uh, he uh, stood in front of Terry and I, and he began quoting Scripture verse after verse that he learned in Sunday school. Now, how cool is that to have a young person come and witness to us? I mean, that, that just, that just took, us, took us back. We're so blessed with that experience at the Huntington Middle School. Two years ago at the same school, we are about our 100th Scripture and uh, we're almost out of scriptures. And we noticed a, a, a line was forming again. And it was kids that had already their, had their scriptures in their hands. They came up and they wanted us to autograph their scriptures. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I guess we looked important, Mark. I don't know. I was embarrassed, but made us smile. So shall the word be that goes from our out of our mouth that does not return void, but shall accomplish what I please and prosper for which I sent it. Markelson Livingston, the young men in the Huntington schools and detention centers, countless others at Jesus parties, Christ clubs, our jails, many other distribution points in our area. It will not return void. We want to thank you. Uh, to help us to do the right thing with your money. And that is to go out and get the scripture and get the scripture out. 
And as Les says, and by the way, Les, I like the way you do this. Les will take the scripture and he'll hold it out like this to the last page and, and ask for Christ's hope and offer this to, to someone just like this. Whether it's a, a young person or it's a, a, a lady or a, or a man, we want to ask them, do you know Jesus? Well, let us tell you about them. I want to share one more thing. This was out of our area, but I, but I want you to hear this because I think it's important. I just received this testimony just recently. During a sidewalk youth distribution at a middle school in Tennessee, principal came out and marched back and forth in front of the Gideons while telling the students to refuse the testaments. Um, she then called the police. When the officers arrived, they asked the Gideons to leave. Although it is within constitutional rights for the Gideons to be on the sidewalks, we relented and we left. Fortunately, many of the students had already received testaments before the police arrived. One of those students' name was Russell. The next fall, Russell was late arriving to school and dashed in front of an oncoming school bus. And he was struck and killed only a few feet away from where the Gideon Testament was handed to him. At Russell's fun funeral, the minister showed the Gideon Testament and shared what Russell had, had loved and read it. And he then showed that the inside cover where Russell had written, I love God, and signed his name on the page. Praise God. Praise God for the copy of that word getting to that young man before his life was cut short. But his testimony will be here forever. I want to thank you, church family. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for what you've done for us and what, you're, what you will do for us in the future. God bless you all. Gary, what's your role? Are you the area coordinator? Or? I'm sure, uh, I do the church ministry uh, coordinating job where we uh, line up churches where, to do presentations, and so I'm normally out there in the field two or three Sundays in the month. And all of the Gideons are volunteers, right? They're all volunteers. Uh, there are some paid Gideons out of uh, Nashville, yeah. in Nashville. How many do, from Carpenter's Way Gideons do we have right now? It's a pro, uh, let's see. Now, there's seven. There's seven of us. And, and if somebody wanted to get involved, this, this is a ministry of lay people, mm -hmm. and maybe you're as, uh, it's, a, it's a ministry that's just men, professional men. And the, the wives of the men are, uh, they're called auxiliary members, and they're able to also distribute scriptures too. So how, how does somebody get involved? Contact us. We're, we're always open to having Gideons, uh, having prospective Gideons come into our fold. We're all getting gray in the hair, and uh, we, we leave sometimes, and sometimes we, we need those individuals to come. Listen, there, there are so many opportunities out there for y'all. Guys, come talk to us. We'd, we'd love to have you. Uh, thank you. Uh, at the end of the service, uh, the Gideons in our church are going to be each of the doors with a Bible open, and if you'd like to help them buy Bibles, you can put money right there. Just cash, or do you want to check, or? Uh, that'd be fine. <laughs>
You'd prefer checks because they're usually larger? Is that what you said? Yeah. So uh, anyway, if you'd like to do that at the end of the service, that's a great way to support them. Let's, let's pray for the Gideons together. Well, Father, we thank you that you promised that your word never, ever returns void and that you use it for your purposes. And God, uh, I am amazed at the fervency of this ministry through the years. Uh, I'm amazed at their passion. They never get tired of giving out Bibles. You see them all over the place. They're made fun of in movies because they're in every hotel room in this country. And yet, beyond the laughter and the mocking, people get saved. It is incredible if you get on the Internet and hear the stories of people who came to know you through a Gideon Bible. And I, I thank you for this tool. I thank you for these men. I thank you for the women that are involved in auxiliary. We pray you would bless them. We pray you would make their ministry fruitful. We pray, uh, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to use them as you have for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life.
God, the praise that you're to will be enthroned. Let her worship reach you like the sin of perfume. Lifting you and you belong. yesterday uh, said something along the lines of the only person that would interrupt a sleeping king is a child. I just want that to sit on you for a second. The only one who would interrupt a sleeping king is a child. Where's kids? <laughs> Where's kids? And I think so many times we feel like we're interrupting them. We feel like we're, you know, somehow we don't have that access to, to come in and talk to them. But just want to remind you as we sing through this last song, as we sing through these songs of a good father and he's a king and he's all these things, but he's our dad, man. He is our dad and he, even if he's sleeping, you can just, you bust in there like, dad, I need a drink of water. I have a two-year-old dad, I need to go potty. <laughs> you know, and you can just bust in there. It doesn't matter if it's three o'clock in the morning, she's going to yell at me. And so I, we can do the same thing. I just want to remind you, you have that access. You have that access. So we're going to sing through this song, Holy, Holy, Holy. Um, I would just encourage you to stand with us. That's one of those old hymns everybody knows. Uh, just sing it out with us. Holy, 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 Lord God
Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that uh, you are our king. So much noise, so much screaming in this culture right now. Thank you that you never leave the throne, you're not elected, that you are worthy of our praise, and we can trust you. Father, thank you that we can come into a place like this and there's peace. I pray for those, Father, who are not at peace this morning, that today they would find hope. Thank you that this is a very hopeful text. God, change us from the inside out. We know your Holy Spirit is here. We ask him to teach us stuff, to show us something new today, and to make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, picking up right where we left off last week, 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 15 says this, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Uh, this letter that we've been studying together for in recent weeks, and we will continue to is being written so that God's kids, us, will know how to conduct ourselves in the household or in the family of God, specifically within the, within the local church. Most Christians would agree, at least philosophically, that God should be the leader of his church, and most would say that Jesus is the head of the church. Most would agree with that. It is also true, however, that most chaos within churches is the result of some battle about who's in charge. Often what we say we believe doesn't match how we live, and that creates chaos. In the text we've just studied in recent weeks, Paul has laid out for young Pastor Timothy uh, that he is sent to this church to restore order to a church that's become chaotic. He has sent young Pastor Timothy, and we have learned how the church is supposed to be structured so that Jesus Christ is actually running his church. We learned last week, for instance, that there's a council of elders who God is tasked with overseeing his flock, especially the spiritual health of the church, and it's their job, through prayer and study of the word, to make certain that Jesus Christ and his message are paramount in everything that the church does. That's their job. It is, we also learned last week that assisting the elders or the deacons or servants of the flock, whose job it is to take care of the physical needs of the flock, under the elders' oversight, so that the elders can remain absolutely obsessed on the spiritual health of the church. Young Pastor Timothy and we are given this structure along with instructions on how the men of the church are to, are to point people to God, and that is through every aspect of their life. Specifically with the men in this church, he's telling them to worship and point people to God. He also has shared with us how the women are to point the flock to God, same as the men through every aspect of their lives, especially in how they conduct themselves. How we conduct ourselves here in the local gathering of God's family matters. In fact, the very next sentence in 1 Timothy 3.15, the very end tells us why. Why does structure matter? Why does order matter? Why isn't chaos bad or okay? 1 Timothy 3.15, the end says, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. My goodness, do you realize how important our role in the world is? 
while the world is marching on Washington, I, I just want you to take America for a second. We're talking about the local church here. While everybody is marching on Washington from the right to the left, celebrating the enthronement of our new president and others resenting it. This is the place we come where we are reminded that our daddy is king over all of it. And too often in the local church, we're still fighting among ourselves like the world is. It's become a political hack. Not just outside or what we feel like what's going on outside, but even in the church. Most of you who've been in the church more than five or six years have been a part of battles that deal with what color the carpeting is or what color the walls are or, or, or how big is the steeple or what the preacher's preaching on or what kind of hymns or we're not singing enough hymns or not enough choruses or repeating them too much. We have been involved in things or how much money we're spending on car, co copy machines or toilet paper or... It's crazy. This is supposed to be the place that the world, the church, comes and gets out of that political noise. As the world marches on Washington, and even worse than that, tells each other off on Facebook, and tweets hate toward each other, it is very much like Noah's Ark. There's a storm out there, and people are drowning in hate. And this should be the one place that God's kids come together and exhale. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a high price. God bought you with a high price. I think we really need to get our minds around the implications of those two verses in 1 Corinthians. I think we really need to get to, get to a place where we understand that if I am the place that the Holy Spirit resides, I, if I am truly the temple of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, then that means everywhere I go, God goes with me. I am the place people come to meet God. If I'm participating in the chaos, why would they want to know my God? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. If we are, do not understand, if, or if we do understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when you are out there and you get pulled over for speeding and the cop is grumpy. I remember one time I was, in, I was living in Michigan and Julie and I went to visit Julie's family in Ohio. And it's not just the university battles in football, Ohio State against U of M, that make them hate each other. Ohio State Police apparently hate Michiganders. And I got pulled over. And I listened to him yell at me for 15 minutes on how I thought I could misuse Ohio roads and how I dare I in Michigan. I should be arrested. And he told me off. He's just doing his job. But I have a choice there. I can tell him to shut up or I can remember I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going on in that guy's life. And it's not my place anymore to demand my right that I'm treated with respect because there's something else more important going on. I'm having contact with a man who may or may not know Jesus, and I have the opportunity to tell him about Jesus. Whether it's a waitress or a cop, or somebody marching in a parade you don't like, I'm the temple. Mark Wilkie. Can you imagine what we are when we're together? When we gather together on Sundays or Wednesday nights, or when we gather together and we connect... We are huge in the kingdom work in this, on this planet.
And Satan doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think that this is just where you go on Sundays. Oh, it's just a place you go and it's what we do and it's nice and I like the music and the preacher's great, handsome and funny. But I want you to know by just being with other believers, we are a shining, huge lighthouse for our Father who resides in us. It's not a metaphor. You are, in fact, the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And when we're together, we together, the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's peace. This should be a place that the lost come in and go, something weird about that place, but I like it. Or I'm offended by it. Both the reaction to the Holy Spirit's presence. How we conduct ourselves when we're together in the local church setting is a bigger deal than I think anybody ever realized in this room, especially me. You remember this weird statement in John 17, verses 20 to 21? Let's look at it together. I am praying. This is Jesus' last uh, prayer that's recorded for us before he's arrested. So this is what's on his heart. Father, he's praying to his Father God. I am praying not only for these disciples that are around me, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. That would include us. So he's praying for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that, there's a reason, not just so they have a good experience, not so that, so that they're happy, not just so that they can have a place of peace, so that the world will believe you sent me. How we conduct ourselves, specifically as it relates to unity, is apparently central to the validation that we are not religious, but we have truly been transformed by the Holy Spirit. I want to say that one more time because you've got to grasp this. If you don't get this, you won't understand why the significance of the, Holy Ch of the church and especially why God has structured her the way he has. How we conduct ourselves, specifically as it relates to unity, is apparently central to the validation that the things that we claim are true are in fact true. Our unity is a supernatural validation. How we conduct ourselves, how we live out our faith together as a local church, matters more than just getting along. It is central to our message to the lost. Family, this thing we do is real. Convincing a Southern Christian that this is really, really real is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Because when I say that, Christians go, yeah, I know. So that's a little bit like when you read their eyes, when you told your kids, I'm just trying to protect you. Don't go past 50 on the freeway. Yeah, I know. No, 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 you don't, you don't know. You don't know, kid. Don't go past 50, you'll kill yourself. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, I put one of those things for $10 a month in the car and you're going 72 in a 35 mile an hour zone. I am not. I mean, there, there's, there's knowing and then there's really, really, really knowing. And I got to tell you something. I think this is one of those truths that Satan has us so deceived on because if we ever understood that what we do here is huge as it relates to kingdom work, I think, I think if we actually realize how important that every one of our walks with God are, every one of us understanding our role as a temple of the Holy Spirit, our understanding that we need to come here not just to hear preaching and music, but to encourage each other, if we got our minds around how significant it is in God's work that what we do, I think Satan is afraid that we would surrender and actually become powerful as the local church. You see, religion is all over the South, specifically in East Texas. There are tons of Christians here. 
but there aren't that many people who are under the control of the Holy Spirit. At least that's my experience. Well, how can you judge that? By their fruit. By their fruit. This is real. It's, it's not just about going to heaven or praying a prayer. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has been sent to raise you spiritually from the dead and change you, Romans 8 says. That same resurrection power that Jesus Christ experienced when he was dead lives within you and wants to transform us. And the world needs to see it because our rhetoric is painted all over Washington, D.C., and yet this week, so much hate. It is not the words that change lives. It is the Holy Spirit that changes lives. It is not our ability to argue our faith that changes lives. It is the Holy Spirit that changes lives. Both of those things are necessary and important, but without the Holy Spirit, we're just grumpy. We're just moralists. The world needs to see that we are genuinely transformed because as you saw this weekend, it ain't working for them out there. It's chaos, it is a war of words, and there is no solution in sight. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 says that I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. So that if I'm delayed, Timothy, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, of the living God. That word of there means owned by. This is his church, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. What we do as a local church matters because we are the pillar and foundation of truth. People come to us if individually we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a huge temple when we're together. And if we act like them, if we are just as chaotic, if, our, if, if monthly we get together and we fight about music and, and toilet paper and money, we're no different than the world. We are just a small version of the political wars that are going on this weekend, and the church has yet to figure that out. We are the people of God who is our daddy, and we've left our lane and tried to control it. We are the church, the household and family of the one true living personal God. God has done more than simply revealed us to the truth. He has sent his Holy Spirit to change us completely so that the world will look at us and wonder what this peace is this unity that we have. And that is when we get to tell them the mystery of what God gives us. This hope in this life, in a world that is lost, even in its unfairness and injustice, how is it that you have peace when you're so poor? How is it you have peace when you're mistreated? How is it that you're not angry at Washington? The answer is, well, 1 Timothy 3.16, the very next line. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. He's about to tell us. The Greek word for great here actually means mega. It means enormous. It could have been translated huge. Huge. It, it, is this, it is the ultimate mystery of all mysteries. Of all the things about God that you know, this is the biggest thing. Without question, this is the mega mystery of our faith. The mystery that Paul is talking about to express, it is the central point of all we know and believe and hold on to. And what began the change within us as they see it, as we live in unity, as we understand God's church and the value of the local church, and we come together to worship and love on each other and encourage each other as we pray for the lost and we pray for our president and we pray for our Senate and our Congress and our, our state government, as we come together and we don't hate on them, 
I want to remind you, there are no flags in this room. That's not accidental. This is not the United States of America. This is an embassy for the King of Kings kingdom. If, if your small citizenship happens to be Democrat, knock yourself out. It's not as important as your citizenship in the kingdom of God. If you are a Republican, Trump is not the answer to your problem. Jesus Christ is. And I know you know that, but you have to believe it. He goes on after explaining the structure of the church to say that the reason you have to understand this is because, because I want you to know how to conduct yourselves. And I want you to know how to conduct yourselves because how we conduct ourselves explains whether or not we are a distraction from this mega mystery that has changed our lives. And he explains what the mega mystery is in verse 16. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Holy Spirit. He was seen by the angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. In case you're not clear on this, this is a creed. This is a creed. Some commentators believe that Paul is actually quoting the chorus of a hymn in the New Testament era. The, the Greek in this, it, it, it rings hymn, hymnic, uh, like a chorus. It, it, it's, it's poetic. And they believe that this was part of the New Testament hymn. It's almost like Paul is quoting, uh, you know, the chorus of the old rugged cross and, and your heart gets warm because he wants them to understand that he's not trying to micromanage the local church. He's trying to keep them focused on their task. And to do that, you have to understand the organization. Who owns the organization? Who is the great shepherd? And how does he decide to govern his flock? And because the, the reason for that is not so that you'll shut up and just do what you're told. It's different. It's, it's so that you will stay in your lane as Gary said. You'll stay in your lane and you'll serve the living God instead of serving yourself. Every fight in every church always starts with, I deserve this. And how dare you not give it to me? Or I at least want to be heard. Exactly what we're hearing in Washington. We have taken the lie of our culture and we've entered it into the local church. Let me be clear. When you got saved, when I got saved, I gave up rights to ownership. I'm not my own. I've been bought with this ginormous price, Jesus Christ's blood. I'm his. And yet sometimes after salvation, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to take back, and I'm going to make the church as great as it can be. I think when I came to Carpenter's Way a little over 11 and a half years ago, uh, one of the things I heard is we do church differently. Well, that can be good or bad. Depends what you mean by differently. I mean, we're all wanting to do it better than it's ever been done before. What does that mean? I think we should step back and say, wait a minute, let's just do it God's way and not worry about whether it's better or worse. You see, this is our creed and it centers on Jesus, the mega mystery of the church, the thing that gives us hope, the thing that gives us peace is Jesus. And he, and he mentions like six things in here that I want to point out to you. The first thing in this, in this creed is the incarnation of Christ, God come in the flesh. Philippians 2, 6-8 talks about this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born in a, as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Why is this foundational? Because only our God wants it personal. Only our God of any gods. I want to say our God's the only real God. But let's just put that aside for a second. Even if every God ever thought up by man was real, there's not a God in any religion in the world that would give his only life for, his only, for us. The life of his only son for us. 
There's not a God in the universe. Nobody even thought of a God who'd do that. That's what makes it almost unbelievable. Every religion in the world tells you, do this, do that, be better, be moral, so that you can be good enough. Our God said, I sent my son not to condemn you, but to seek and save you. Our God said, I'm gonna send my son to chase you and beg you and plead with you to allow me to forgive you and declare you clean. I'll take your sin and put it on him and then I'll make you my kid. There's not a God in the universe that wants you to be his kid, except Jehovah God. That's significant. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes it personal, not religious. That's what this study is all about. This is personal, it's not business. It has some of the trappings of business, but the reason we do business is so we can get back and be personal to God. Within structure, there's order that allows us to be real. And when our structure is off, we don't talk about Jesus, we talk about bigger buildings. You know, if we make the church about programs that attract people or property that attracts people, you have to keep coming up with new programming and buildings, buildings that attract people. Eventually, you run out of money or you run out of creativity. It's the cross. It's Jesus that is our mega ministry. It's our mega ministry. I can't even say it, and I wrote it. It's personal, not re religious. And that started with the incarnation of Christ. God came in the flesh. Secondly, he says he was vindicated by the Spirit. This is a reference to the resurrection of Christ. Romans 3.11 says that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It is the resurrection that separates Jesus from many, many others who claim to be the Messiah and any God that was ever created. Jesus Christ is the only one who can be claimed to be Emmanuel, who lived among us. We can touch him. We can see him. We know people who have. We saw he, when he was resurrected from the dead, 500 people saw him and claimed inside of Christendom and outside. If you doubt that, all you have to do is look at the excuses that the Roman guards made. They never doubted that he came back out of the tomb. What they said was, oh, he wasn't really dead. If you go back historically, nobody near the occurrence ever doubted Jesus Christ had risen. What they tried to do was explain it away as something other than the divine. It's only been in modern times people said Jesus didn't rise from the dead. You need to understand that. And his thing here is that Jesus Christ was validated or vindicated by the Spirit. Jesus Christ, rose from, uh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That validated his claims. For just a second, I just want you to know that the Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. Jesus claimed to be God. John 10.30, I and my Father are one. Hebrews chapter 1, when you see Jesus, you see the, the, the embodiment of the invisible God. It's all over the scriptures. Jesus Christ was clear. I am the way. People today want Jesus to be open and just general. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father but through me. We didn't make that up. He said that. He claimed to be God. The apostles claimed him to be God. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah, well, the Watchtower people came by the other day, and I looked at it, and it didn't say that. That's because they changed it. It was inconvenient to their theology. When you start taking the Word of God, and you change it because it's inconvenient to your theology, 
You are no longer worshiping God, you are worshiping yourself and creating a God that you want him to be. He was vindicated by the Holy Spirit through his resurrection. He is who he claimed to be. Back to 1 Timothy 3.16. I want you to keep it. It's going to stay on the screen now. I want you to look at this. Christ was revealed in a human body. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by the angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken into heaven's glory. Number three, he was seen by the angels. This I'm going to work real quickly through here now. He, this refers to the angels witnessing to his resurrection after he rose from the dead. Do you remember when the ladies came to anoint his body? They thought he was dead. Nobody believed he was going to come back from the dead. And the angel's sitting there going... What are you looking for? I'm looking for Jesus. He's risen. Next line. Just like he said. <laughs> We're going to work on that at Easter. The angel said to the women, Jesus is not here. He rose just like he said. Witnessed by the angels. In this culture, that was a big deal. This is the Roman culture. It's a legal culture. He's laying out proof, evidence. He was vindicated by the Holy Spirit by rising from the dead. His claims were true. The whole, we have angels who witness. Now, I want you to remember that when this is being written, it's not 2,000 years later. It's about 80 years later. Uh, let's see, minus 30. So it's about 40 or 50 years later. There are people reading this who remember. In fact, all of Jerusalem remembered because either their parents told them or they saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw him walking around after he was dead or they saw his crucifixion or they heard the stories. These people weren't in a position to go, oh, they're lying. They knew the stories. And he's just putting the pieces together to tell the church exactly what the mega mystery is. He's putting the story together. He was seen by angels. Number four, he was announced to the nations. How this happened is recorded for us in the New Testament book of Acts. Our family, our, 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 our brothers and sisters in history past, spread the word of salvation through Christ alone throughout the nations, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria. And now to this day, we continue to spread it throughout the ends of the world. To this day. Number five, he was believed in throughout the world. In Acts, and even to this day, we see the message transforming lives in the throughout the world. We are hearing testimonies of people getting saved left and right in Iran right now. In Iran. They may make a nuke, but they can't keep Jesus out even if they kill the rest of the world. In China, they're getting stricter on the evangelical church. They can't quiet down the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you that no matter what this government does, they can't shut down God because you, we keep thinking, well, if they kill us all, how will anybody hear? Don't worry about it. God's got it handled. You can worry about dying. I get it. I, I worry about it too. That's why, you know, like I always say, Jeff is the associate pastor goes first. Nobody wants to die a martyr's death. But I will say this. They can't stop us because we didn't start it. And we forget that in the church. Well, we need to change. We need to, we need to be sure that they know whatever we think they want to know. I got news for you. Salvation is the same today as it was in 35 A.D., repent, confess your sins, and I will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you want to know Jesus, don't join Carpenter's Way. Join the family of God by going to God himself. It's the gift of God that's eternal life. 
well, why, why is the local church such a big deal in your thinking then? Because we, as the body, come together and we remind each other how good God is, how crazy the world is, that we are Noah's Ark, inviting people to join us, and we live in peace, and we love each other, and the world goes, what's up with that group? We are not a VFW for Christians. We are not the Boy Scouts. We are not a moral compass for the world. We are the children of the living God. And the mega mystery of the church is not church structure or morality or being good parents or being good citizens or making America great again. The mega mystery of the church is Jesus Christ. We forget that. I know you know that, but you've got to remember that. The structure that Paul is laying out for Timothy is to get the church to shut up long enough to remember that it's about Jesus, not about all this other stuff they're fighting about. The church continually fights about the wrong things, and Satan is in the middle of that. If you are Carpenter's Way family member, you know we're a Baptist church. I got news for you. I don't care at all if you speak in tongues. Just as long as you don't disrupt what God's doing. If you have a private prayer language between you and God, that's between your dad and you. That isn't between me and you. And I have no idea why I grew up in a church that wanted to explain why that was wrong. Walk with God as long as you don't violate scriptural principles. I grew up in a church where every Sunday night we were taught about the rapture. I believe in the rapture. I'm about this, okay, this morning I'm, I'm judging about 58% sure it's true. But I got news for you. It doesn't change anything if he doesn't come back for his church that way. We're still called to be faithful. And to do that in this world, we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other. We're going to need each other because sometimes you're going to want to march with a bunch of women with pink hats on. And we're going to have to remind each other that there's nothing wrong with marching unless you leave the peace of God behind. We're going to have to remind each other that just because your guy got in office He's not going to make America great. He, he might make it function more effectively, but he's not going to make America great. America will only be great in real valuable terms if God's people will repent and start being filled with the Spirit. Oh, I thought you weren't for 2 Chronicles 7.14. Stop, you're overthinking. If God's people will surrender, this country will be changed. If we will stop doing church for ourselves and doing Christianity for ourselves and demanding that this become some sort of anti-Shia law country where we kill homosexuals, if we actually see the homosexual as an opportunity to, to present the gospel, if we see the thief and the crook and the, and the waitress who treats us the way we don't deserve to be treated when we're spending $4 on a hamburger, if we actually start seeing the lost as ministry opportunities instead of the problem with our life, everything changes. And just to be clear, I'm going to out myself so you don't think I'm going, what's wrong with you? I've got the same problem. I've been telling the, L, the uh, Tuesday morning men's Bible study group for the last couple of weeks, I screwed up over Christmas. And I think maybe I mentioned it one time from the pulpit, but I want to be clear. I'm str I struggle with this. Some dude selling cable television came to my door at 745 during the holiday season. And it was my day off. He interrupted my coffee drinking. And I let him know. And I got to tell you something. I screwed up. I was wrong. I should have invited him in. 
Now, my girls would have freaked out, but I should have. I blew the opportunity. I forgot for a moment in time that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God by design invites me. He might not have come in, but that was his choice. But instead, I said, don't you think it's kind of early to be knocking on my door selling something? What a jerk I was. Everybody says that, but I'm not everybody. Ladies, I'm going to step on some, some, some scary stuff here. I understand that for the last 200 years you've been mis- mistreated in this country. But I just want to say, when you gave your life to Christ, you said, I'm not going to live to have my needs met. My needs will be met by the King of Kings. So what are you marching for? Men. When you are angry that your wife doesn't treat you the way you as a man deserve to be treated. She doesn't know how hard I work. You have forgotten that you don't belong to yourself. That your job is to serve her when you come home and do the dishes. It is your job. Yeah, well, she makes me grocery shop too. Don't stop serving even if she's a lousy wife. That's not what this is about. You gave up rights to ownership when Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, pick up your cross and follow me. Young men and women who are dating, I know you want to sleep with each other, but you got to knock it off. What you want is different than what God wants for you. Follow him. But I don't understand. I have the right or we're going to get married. That is still sin. Church, I know it's frustrating to listen to how God structures his church. Well, that just seems, well, I'm giving up all my brains. First of all, that's not what it says. And second of all, you're giving up your right to run the church. Exactly right. And that's why you better make sure your elders that you nominate every year are men of God. Because they as elders should give up their right to run the church too. Well, how can you lead the church and not run the church? by remembering that it's God's church and our job is to pray and be in the word so we know what he wants us to do. Well, how does that impact the color of carpeting? Well, that's why we have deacons, so we don't have to worry about it. Actually, the answer to that question is this. Some decisions we make are leadership decisions and they may be wrong decisions, but you gotta live with the parents you got. You can share with us, you can share your ideas, And we'll do the best we can. But at the end of the day, our job is to get back to spiritual things and walk with God. And our job as elders is to make sure that we don't forget the mega mystery. Jesus Christ! Six, he was taken to uh, to heaven in glory. Where he right now, this very second, is at the right hand of the Father praying for you and talking to the Holy Spirit living within you to help you, to encourage you, to transform you, to help us, to encourage us, to transform us. You see, the reason he wants to help you and encourage you and feed you is not only so you can reach the lost, but so that you can come in here each week, a couple times, gather with other believers, and help each other remember that God's got this. That's why we gather, not to hear preaching. We don't gather for the music, we gather for God. We gather because we have to remember to encourage each other in this crazy world we live in. 
First Timothy 3, 14 to 16 says, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know uh, how people conduct, must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is the mega mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in the human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by the angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. We are the people that reveal this mega mystery to a lost world and to each other. It is a mystery that is centered on Christ, not the church or a revolution of believers. Jesus is the mega mystery. We as God's kids are to witness to, uh, uh, to it through our changed lives and through our times together. Christianity throughout the ages and even today has always had a lot to say about Jesus. I would say he's been prominent throughout the church. You go into any church, you're going to see a cross. You're going to see maybe Bibles. You're going to see Jesus' name. Little felt Jesus is all over the place. And at Christmas, you're going to see nativity scenes. But let me say, there is a difference between Jesus having a place of prominence and preeminence. Some of you are going, I don't know what that word means. That word means that he is infused in every conversation we have, every battle we have. Well, what does Jesus have to do with the purchase of toilet paper? He doesn't, but it sure lays out where we put our trust, how we value his structure system, why we do what we do, and how we react to life. It tells us a lot about who's in control. Well, I have a right. No, you don't. You see, you were bought with a high price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. It doesn't get any more clear than that. Well, I don't like that verse then walk away. Don't pretend it's not helping you. It's not helping us to pretend. It's not making East Texas better. To go to church every week only makes you feel like you're religious, but to be truly surrendered to the Most High God changes everything. And not only that, the world look at us and they go, what is it about you freaks? We are. We are freaks. We are aliens and strangers in a foreign land. We are the immigrants. And we will soon be called home. But until then, we've got to do it God's way. The mega truth that we hold to is not morality. The mega mystery that we proclaim is not political. The mega mystery isn't about the nuclear family or raising good kids. All of those things may be fine, but the mega mystery is that we proclaim Jesus is the Messiah. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7 says, when the right time came, look at this, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were once slaves to the law so that we, he could adopt us to be as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Daddy. That's what Chad was talking about this morning. That's what I did at 3 o'clock in this morning when I had a knot in my stomach thinking about the wars in this country, the way people hate each other. I said, God, I need peace. And he didn't go, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm sleepy. He calmed my heart. That happened today. I said, God, I, I need to experience something about you right now. I'm unsettled. My family is divided by stupid political stuff. I need some peace, I need comfort. And he comforted me at 3 a.m. And partially because I didn't look at Facebook. God gives peace to his children. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. H-E-I-R, heir. This is our mega hope, built on a mega mystery. And the only truth that mega transforms life. Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit.
I'm going to ask our worship team to come up at this time, but I want you while they do to look at John 3, 16 through 19. Look at it with me on the screen. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has been, already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. The mega mystery. People will only believe that God sent Jesus. 2,000 years later, they'll only believe it's true or even want to listen to it if our conduct, conduct together reflects some radical life transformation that can only be explained through some mega mystery they have to know about. 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 15. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. This is the church. The house of God is the church of the living God. Not a dead God or a fake God, but the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. It is time for us to really believe what we say we believe, that Jesus is the senior pastor of our church and our lives, and to make it our passion and even our obsession to let him lead us, to live life out this way, to trust him and proclaim this mega mystery to everyone we come in contact with, first through our lives and then, yes, through our words. At work, in our homes, in our churches, Jesus Christ is the mega mystery. And it's not religious or business, it's personal. It's personal. Know what you believe. Live what you believe. Trust the one in whom you believe. He's got your back in a way that Donald Trump could never hope to have your back. Not corporately, but individually. In this time of desperation, all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation we believe, we believe. in this broken generation all is dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe sing it out we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered hell. We believe in the resurrection. Oh, and He's 
is coming back again. We believe, man. Let our faith be more than anthems. Have a good day. We'll see you next week.